Welcome, Mike, to Big Content. Hello, Jack. Hey, how's it going? I like your yellow jacket. Yeah, it's definitely a jacket. Um, speaking at Snapchat today, actually. Good opportunity. What? What is that for? You wore a yellow jacket because you're speaking at Snapchat today? Of course. That's great. You fucking company, co- man. Wait, you the colors of the company are yellow. I knew we were I were diving into politics wait, today at some I almost, point. I almost wore my uh, Snapchat Nike shoes. But then I was like. That would make more sense. Wait, what? Because you went to one of their events and they gave it to you. And then you're going to the. Where they have a Snapchat office in New York? Nah. They're work from home. 7,000. Think I care or give a fuck? Do you not know about Snap's office? No. They're at Times Square. They have this, like, top floor that uh, Evan Spiegel's on that's, like, his own personal palace. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. What are you going to... What are you teaching them? It's a good op. It's a good op. So I got invited. Essentially, Snapchat is using me, but I'm okay with it. They're using me to speak on a panel with, with some Snap people to advertisers and potential brand partners to show that they should spend money with people on Snapchat, like creators mm. on Snap. So then when behind you, when they put up like Jake Paul clickbait shit and they're going to be like, no, defend no. this. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> defend this no, shit. I, I'll, I'll be honest about that. But they'll be like, well, you see that, you know, Jake Paul is getting this mm-hmm. Hershey's deal and but he's not getting on snap like why not it's because advertisers aren't spending there but i'm a really good case study because 80 percent of our revenue comes through snapchat not from ad monetization but like working with underdog working with SeatGeek, working with memento working with all those companies so they're using me to convince advertisers to spend with creators influencers on so the app. more for like natural sponsorship placements for than real like, partnerships yes than, than like uh, i got you yes. then like programmatic kind of exactly and so like, people probably don't think about it, but the reason why creators put more time and energy into other apps is because they know the brands follow. And so when Instagram was always and still probably is the king of brand deals, but TikTok quickly became that secondary platform. So all those people on IG jumped over to TikTok. They never thought to jump to Snap. The only reason you jump to Snap, add monetization in your stories, but they're trying to change that, which I think is really smart from them. And what I've seen from working with different brands, we have a higher success rate working on Snap than we do on Instagram, than we do on Twitter, than we do on TikTok. So I can genuinely speak forward about it. Where I think it'll reciprocate, you know, they're using me, but I think there'll probably be some pretty good CMOs and different people that we're going to get FaceTime with. So hopefully I'll be rich in the future. When do you think they're going to bring me in? Well, you're not on Snap. I haven't posted a Snapchat in probably 10 years. Do you watch Snaps? No. Yeah. Very, very rarely. Well, the normal, I mean, just in general, the normal reaction to our business is like, you're on Snapchat? Do you make money? Mm-hmm. How's that work? Like, people can't even, if if you said, yeah, our business, we, we're on YouTube, okay, obviously. It, we're on Instagram. Even people can conceptualize that nowadays. No one can even conceptualize having a business on Snap, which makes sense. For the first five years we were on the platform, they pretty much told us, like, we don't want creators or businesses on the platform. They learned quickly that you're not going to last. Very what's, long. A, what's a sell like that? Because, uh, uh, like we just touched on, there there are different types of advertising for companies. Like companies can come to us and and they could ask for natural advertising, right? Where they could say like, Jack, we like your content. Mm-hmm. We want you to promote our product. Like yeah. that, that's a normal 60, 90 second ad read that you would see in a content creator's product or content itself. Then there's also like the idea of putting you're like making a produced commercial that mm. that company makes internally themselves and then putting it into this like programmatic ad buying system, which is basically like, 
all right, we're Nike. We made a commercial. We're throwing into the Snapchat inventory of ads, and yeah. those are the ones that play in between um, the in between the swipes and the videos and stuff like that. So it ha- it has nothing to do with Jack's actual content. It just happens to be in between when you're watching Jack's and Jake Paul's yeah. or whatever. So if you're making con- it, it, why, why, what's like the biggest uh, hesitation from companies to get on there in terms of like do they think that if they're getting on TikTok right yeah, yeah. knowing that TikTok's videos can be 15 30 mm-hmm. seconds long is it because they think Snapchat is just pictures are they not familiar that people are making yeah, longer videos like they're not familiar number one two the tools don't exist so like uh, ad authorization mm-hmm. um, different things like that hashtag ad which puts it into a brand and piece of content, like the business manager. None of that stuff really exists. Or, for example, you can't even, like, at someone or hashtag someone unless, because no one's on the platform for those reasons. So a lot of the benefits of, all right, maybe someone didn't buy a bottle of Jameson just because I promoted it, but I tagged Jameson US, so they're going to follow it. Like, Jameson's not even on Snapchat. And so because of that, you can't, and you can't, audience restrict on Snapchat, right? So posting a 21 plus isn't even a possibility. So I can't work with, you know, those types of brands and all that different stuff. So there's a million different reasons. On top of that, yes, people aren't typically producing like content for the app. It's all stories. And it's why people don't just really get story promotion, you know, in a brand deal. They'll get a feed post, you know, everyone wants the feed post. So I think that's part of it too. But like, I'll make content that I can post that's a minute and it'll just post it six, you know, six straight 10 second snaps. Yeah. It's no different. You know, the click through people obviously swipe, swipe away, but they swipe away, you know, on a, 20 seconds into a regular video. Right. Yeah. So I think, you know, in, in the brief and before we do the panel, they were like, if you had full creative control, what would you want a brand partnership on Snap to look like? And my response was literally the only the Did first. Did you already do this, or is it? No, later? no. They sent me like an email. Oh, okay. And I had to fill out a bunch of stuff so that we could be prepared. And I said the first thing I would ask for is time. That is not all I want, but that is the most important thing because there's no doubt in my mind. DirecTV will spend 10 grand on three snap stories. It'll get 60,000 views. No one will do anything with that. It won't hit the metrics they want. What do you mean time? Sorry? You said what I want to time. Time. Yes. Time and trust. Meaning I need time to develop with the brand. It Mm. can't. The difference between TikTok and Instagram is it feels like you can just stick a brand in the middle of it, right? As opposed to. I need to be working with companies for a long period of time on a campaign, for example, unless it's something that's super timely that I feel like we can really bring awareness to. Why do so, you think that is? Because is it because everything in Snapchat is just so disappearing. Like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty much that you lose the benefit of someone seeing it in three days. Like mm-hmm. I, I always joke with Casey that it, it blows our mind that new people sign up for underdog. We've been working with them for three years. We post about them every other day. Who the hell hasn't, like, (laughs) outside of someone who literally just moved to a new state that they can play it in, right? But, like, we're seeing sizable, and, of course, now our audience is growing there. But but until we got verified, our audience on Snap was not growing. And this is what I'm referring to. After two and a half years, who hadn't seen Underdog and Code Snapback, right? But people, they need... They need to see it a hundred times. They need to see the different features, right? Mm-hmm. And so if I were to just stick a story ad in there, it's just probably not going to fire for them. So that that was like the importance of it all. And I think that that is really something that can be looked at as a whole with creators. When you think about getting in bed with brands, 
do they have a long-term view? Because that's probably the most backwards thing. Okay, so then if they if if your pitch to them is like, hey, DR direct response campaigns yeah. off the rip are not going to work well. Yeah. What does the content that you make for them actually look like then? Are so, you only are you not doing sales? So are you only a, doing yeah? I've brand? done a few things. On, I mean, look, brand awareness is is the best thing mm-hmm. for a creator, right? It, it, I'm not selling Toyota trucks, right? But if I was, It'd be funny as hell. yeah, it, you know, I would only need three people to buy, and it would probably return the ad fee. But, anyways, um, we did a Call of Duty campaign. <laughs> you ain't selling three fucking <laughs> trucks on. You don't think I'd sell three trucks on a video? Hell no. Right, but if you gave me a year long partnership with them, could I move three trucks? Yeah, yeah, uh, yes, maybe. But but on one ad. Zero percent. Yeah, no, no, no. Okay. Yeah. So that's kind of that. That's exactly the thought process. So I've done a few on Snap. One, we did a Call of Duty campaign, three or four stories, used the filter, and it was around the game releasing. To me, as long as they're not measuring how many people bought directly off that, I actually think it's an effective use of the campaign. You're building hype around a game, letting people it, know exactly. that it's coming out. So, yeah. so that it could be Madden, FIFA, whatever it might be. Video games make a lot of sense to me. Um, we did one for Dick Sporting Goods around. Uh, the holiday season about purchasing gifts for either yourself or for your family, some of their new Nike tech gear, whatever it might be. I don't think in just those three stories, we're going to sell enough Nike tech gear, but it did bring awareness to it, to the promotion. But if we had been doing a, a Dick's campaign the entire year, and then that's when we are cashing in on it, I think that's when it makes sense. So I'm just asking for that amount of time. Creative control... Obviously, like I post stuff for DirecTV that I tell Alex, who's communicating to the brand or the agency, like, this is not good content. Like you're asking me to post bad content, stuff that will not convert. You're not trusting me. I can't trust you, but they want it anyways. <laughs> I can't trust you. <laughs> I, I just can't. Like it's too ad heavy. It doesn't make sense. It's it's not funny. It doesn't fit right. Yeah. But we're going to do it because the tie-in makes enough sense, and, you know, I got to pay rent tomorrow. So I think that is, that's the whole thought process behind that. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah, I don't really know the the world of Snap. It's got to be. Do you guys pitch products in your stuff besides underdog? Like, you know, we're a more general media company. You're hyper-specific. So actually, I mean, this is, a, I, I guess, a good conversation. We got on a call with, like, an agency similar to, like, Snapback agency yeah. that wants to pitch us. They're like, hey, we'll you know, we'll connect you with the brands. Yeah. We take a percentage of the deal. Yeah. And I get those emails all the time, never answer them. But it's also like, all right, I haven't, I haven't been on one of these calls in like a year. Maybe Have they, people updated there. Maybe they've changed or whatever. I also wanted, like JMO said, he wanted to be in on more business calls. So I was like, all right, I'll, I'll yeah, let yeah. you in on this one. Yeah. I'm gonna tell you exactly how it's going to go beforehand. Yeah. Like pitch by number by number, pitch by pitch, exactly yeah. what's going to happen. Same thing with JL because he hadn't been on one of those. Yeah. Got on it exactly, exactly what I want. Yeah, exactly what I thought was going to happen. Um, and with those agencies, the way I look at it is, is okay. If we have a piece of content that is, I would say most of our content ranges from twelve to twenty minutes, mm-hmm. right? Um, TikTok excluded. We don't, we don't try to push real products in, in TikTok videos. Mm-hmm. We try to push awareness to maybe other. Uh, platforms or whatever i think that's what we found our most success with if i'm looking at our youtube videos 12 to 20 minutes which i think are our best direct response sales stuff i say okay in that time frame we could pitch one thing successfully yeah right so i look at 
we could work with this agency. They got us a deal with Manscaped or Harry's or Better Health, whatever. Mm -hmm. And maybe they'll pay us $2,000, $2,500 to do this pitch. That's what the pitch for that video is going to be. And I say to myself, what's more ROI heavy for us? Mm -hmm. Do we use that 30, 90 second plug for our product in underdog sell or who's our main partner, obviously, mm -hmm. or this random Harry's company? Mm -hmm. Every single time my mind goes back to way better idea for us is just pitch our own shit. Yep either underdog or our own product. We have our membership in season right now, way more longevity, get people into our uh, ecosphere, our system. And that's how I think about it. Now, if we had, cause I was discussing it with JL afterwards in the call and he's like, man, I wonder, you know, like the, the footballers work with a, a manager for this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah, they also have probably five videos, podcasts a week that are like 60 to 75 minutes long. Therefore, in order to continue making the content good, you could fit three to four ad reads within a 75 minute yep. kind of podcast that I'd be okay with. Cause we would need to, we would need to fill that with inventory, right? We, I'm not just going to pitch our membership four times throughout a video, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Maybe I would, maybe, maybe yeah. that would work. Yeah, maybe yeah, get yeah. ridiculous. But if we filled it with three or four other ones, I think a lot of it is kind of reverse engineering the content that you have, how much space you have as a creator to do it. I would rather not sell anything at all than, than get paid to do something that I feel like is detrimental to the brand or like $2,000 to a brand that I don't care about. I'd rather not put anything in the video whatsoever. Yeah, this is, I'm pretty sure it's Gary V's book, jab, 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 hook. It's the concept of deliver, 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 and then make the ask. So yeah. this is what we've talked about in short form content before and why I'm always skeptical of short form content. If you're posting a 30 Unless it's on Snapchat. <laughs> if you're posting... No, but that's why I asked yeah. for time. Because yes, if I ask for an ad within four snaps... I've delivered 30 seconds of content and I'm delivering 30 seconds of advertising. Yep. If you give me a year, then I'm delivering 3,000 <laughs> seconds. 364 of days worth of content, 30 seconds of ad. That Seriously, though, it's, it builds trust with the audience and it's why I've always been skeptical of TikTok success mm -hmm. is because in, an, in a minute video, you're taking 15 seconds to sell something unless it's something like fantasy football content where the partner is so ingrained that yeah. it just logically makes sense. But to me, Harry's or Swoon or these other companies are they're full on ads unless you can time into the content naturally, which, which is, can happen. But you which can, but that's where you need trust from the brand. Right? And they're nine times out of ten. And a lot of times do. you need lifestyle content, yep. and a lot of times you know even ourselves and, and you guys and other niche creators aren't really lifestyle creators, right? So it's a little Correct. bit tough to transform it over because your normal audience is going to be like the fuck are you doing talking about like shaving your beard right now yeah. I'm here to ask about the waiver wire. Yeah. yeah. Shit. So I guess a little complicated. Like you, they, they're going off of just Unless like basic you're demographics. super creative, which yeah. then the audience which we will could actually do appreciate well, that. Yes, yeah. you could. But finding a brand that wants to spend with you is tough enough. Finding a brand that's going to get super creative and then that brand to have a big enough budget that it's worth your time to get creative with it. That's the other start thing. Like to all, most of these in. companies just, they're so at scale yeah. and they have, 40 agencies working for them, trying to connect with every single right, right. fucking individual creator that they'll be like, oh, we just want to do a one-off test with you. Exactly. If it goes well, we'll like re-up it next month for one ad spot. And it's yes. just like these number games that they're throwing like darts at. And I'm it's just difficult. Like, yeah, I'd rather is, just do our own thing. That's probably the realest look into how difficult the... It, it's like chicken or the egg because a small creator... Yeah, don't get me wrong. It's difficult from both sides. Yeah. Like I kind of empathize with the big Right, because the brand also... how. How are they supposed to know where they're supposed to spend if, you know, if they just book year-long deals? Yeah. 
it is a benefit of being a bigger creator is that you can kind of have a little more faith and trust. And sometimes you'll have metrics and numbers. So which is another which is another reason why I tell people to like if you fuck with a company, if you really like a company, do some creative ads before mm-hmm. you even speak to them. Because here's the thing, like those people that are in control of the longer deals, yeah. they're just people. Yeah. And you might just stumble upon the right person that's like, yo, I really like this ad that you did for us. We'll give you a six-month deal if yeah. this is the creativity that you put into it. Like yeah. you just never know who's going to see that kind of and stuff. And I also think that over-delivering and, and is so big. Yep. It's You never want to feel like you get screwed on a deal. And, and Underdog won our first year of our deal. There's no doubt about it. We were probably smart because we, you know, we got a little stake of the company. That's how we hedged it. But on a cash basis, we got slaughtered based off the thing we brought. But mm-hmm. now the deal is evened out, right? And there could be a point in time where we win the deal, right? Where we don't deliver as much. And so I'm always a believer in over deliver first and then you'll get even on the back end. It's like playing on a rookie contract. You play on the rookie contract, you prove yourself, you're going to go and get that deal. And then you know what? Maybe you get signed to the big deal and you ain't worth that deal. But you got to over deliver up front. Um, I think this is really key for creators to understand. So yeah. you got to go above and beyond. Like you're not worth anything until you're worth something. You're not, yeah. you know, you haven't built up any longevity with these brands or anything like that until you've shown them that they should trust you. I want to emphasize your point also on thinking about content as ad space. Like just because it's not Harry's or it's not a direct TV ad does not mean that asking someone to subscribe isn't you making an advertisement of subscribe to my content. This is what companies do all the time. Spotify, it's the network effect. If they don't fill their biggest podcast with Joe Rogan, um, you know, with an ad slot, they might fill it as a preview talking about a different podcast within their network, which grows that. So everything is effectively an ad you know slot. What's, you know what's kind of interesting too? The fact that I hear so many advertisements now from podcasters, like they're doing paid ads to promote their podcast. Like you'll be listening to a podcast. Yeah. And then instead of hearing a Harry's read. Yeah, that's what I mean. Exactly. Yeah. It's It's just like an interesting kind of uh, shift I've noticed in the industry that like podcasts are almost a product now for, for a company. Right. And it's like, they're using ad spend that you would normally use on like (laughs) Facebook or Instagram or Twitter to podcast. Ad spend, right? And it'll be like you're listening to Joe Rogan's podcast and then they go to a commercial break and it's just this read from a hip hop podcast. It's like it's come not, listen to Joe Buddy. It's podcast. not new though. Like think about no. think about NBC, right? You're gonna watch if if anyone is conscious of it, they'll do one Super Bowl commercial. And it will be promoting what's on after. They'll be promoting their new show. But it, but but what I'm even referring to is not like the Spotify promoting it. Right. It's like it, it'd be like if you and me were like, "Hey, let's get onto the uh, no, let's the Spotify Super Bowl commercial." Let's, yeah, let's well, let's buy like po- yeah, like podcast ad reads about yeah. big content. Yeah, okay, because, this is Jack and Nick. Yes, it's a great point. Historically, it's been organic advertising. Like yeah. you go on my show, but it's harder. That, it's harder and harder to get it, and yeah. and most of it comes from celebrity backed podcasts. I'm realizing mm-hmm. obviously you have to have deeper pockets yeah, to yeah. want to throw ad spend behind. Whatever, because people need to know. Like, if you're going to do ad reads for a podcast, yeah. people need to know immediately, who like, who you yeah. are. Otherwise, they're like, the what the fuck is this? Yeah. yeah. So you're seeing it, and a lot of celebrities want to, like, break through. Yeah. And they want to, you know, be the next podcast or whatever. I'm, I'm sure a lot of celebrities just think they can get on a podcast and kind of, like, break through in that way. But just an interesting trend I, I've noticed. I mean, even paid appearances in, in the reverse. Like, would we pay to have Marlon go on a, a bigger podcast? Like, in theory... Mm-hmm. 
that's it, it might make sense yeah it might make sense too because we're gonna get a lot of viewership and then it's weird to think about because mm -hmm. you just kind of assume like marlon should be able to go on wherever he wants to yeah. like you sh people should be welcoming marlon on because for their podcast the awareness would go up putting him in clips with them yes so it's an interesting conversation to have unless the podcast is big enough where there it death. doesn't move the needle yeah so like advertising, almost in the sense of when people release like books, you'll yeah. see them do the circuit of like, yeah, yeah. go on Gary Vee, go on yeah. this entrepreneur podcast, whatever. It's like, oh, I'm doing the, uh, I'm selling these books now. Yeah. It's almost like that for a podcast. Yeah. Interesting. Um, all right. Very relevant. We should, why don't we, we should just go on Joe Rogan. <laughs> <laughs> we should just buy ad space yeah. on Joe Rogan. Big content. I mean, he hates big pharma. He probably hates big media too. Although Spotify gave him a check. So he probably. Yeah. I think probably he's probably quiet about that. Hush, hush. All right, so we're going politic route right now. Are you excited? You said you might cry when we have this conversation. What was the next conversation we were going to talk this about? This is going to be the Israel-Palestine. No, 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 the next one. Uh, the one after is Marlin touchdown. That was when I was going to cry. Okay, oh, you're going to cry about that. Um, so <laughs> this conversation is extremely relevant to me. I'm a Jewish person who has been to Israel prior I'm also a content creator. I'm a Jewish person. I've never been to Israel. You're Jewish? Really? Well, I think I might have told the story on here before. Um, my mom, yeah. fully Jewish. My yeah. dad, fully Catholic. Yeah. I No, the mom is what determines. I believe choice is what determines. Nah. Yeah, because I got baptized, communion, confirmation. Just so I could play on the church. In the Jewish religion, the mother is, like, you were technically born Jewish. That's what a Jewish person would believe. Got it. Okay. I, I believe. But I if believe, you got baptized, I'm going to go with you're probably not Jewish today. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I think you get to choose your religion. You I, did. I, yeah. Correct. That wasn't like an actual conversation starter. That was me telling. Like, that's not a. That was ridiculous. I don't know if that's true, actually. <laughs> you can't choose your religion. I think that. You can't choose what you believe in. You can. Yes. But I think that it, it might be similar like you were born a male. From the Jewish belief is you you were born Jewish, but you have now selected. Okay, regardless, this is not the conversation that we were going to be having. I was saying I'm I I'm not like actually religious whatsoever. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. necessarily care for it. Mom, Jewish, Dad, Catholic. I made uh, got baptized, made confirmation, communion all on the same day, so I could play on the church basketball team with my friends. Got it. I yes. think I, I think I've talked about this yeah, before. Yeah, yeah. I dropped eighteen that night though, for real. Eighteen and That's seven. It? And by the way, 18 set, first half, I got sat because we were up by 40. Should have gone to a Jewish summer camp. You would have dropped like 18 and a half because I dominated and you've seen me play. Well, that's you take the easy route. Exactly. Yeah. The Jewish Not is me. the easy route. Not me. Uh, anyways, why is this relevant? Not because we're hyper-religious. Because Hamas had an attack on uh, Israel recently and... People are speaking out. And we've talked about speaking out against COVID. We talked about when BLM happened. I think this is the first time it has happened to a group that is specific to my life. Um, and so I got questioned by Hallie, my fiance. Are you going to post anything? I think there's a general silence, but a, a feeling of people wondering, am I going to post anything? Then there's the audience. Are you going to say anything? So first question is, is there a responsibility to post anything with a person with a platform? No, okay. I don't think there's a responsibility. This was my same stance on BLM. If you mm -hmm. feel a strong pull towards it, I, I think the general consensus, I think it's kind of corny from audience yeah. to tell people what they need to care about. I don't like that. Okay. I, but let's I think say, it's, but, I think it's important on a personal level yeah. that you check up on the people that you think 
this actually affects. Yeah. I, I, I don't think that the way the world works in, in terms of telling people what they're supposed to care about, I, I think that's, I, I hate that. I don't like that at all because if we tur- if we flip the switch, okay, I hear you. You know what I mean. Heard on that. What about if it's obvious that I care about it? I don't think there's a responsibility. I think you should feel the the pull to do so. If okay. you feel like you uh, if you feel like you care about the situation, yeah, you yeah. feel strongly one way. Yeah. I would encourage you to do it, but I would never be like you have to fucking do it. like it's your responsibility. Hundred percent. I'm with you on that. Okay, so let's say I've decided I'm upset that that specific thing happened. Right? I feel strongly about it. It's also insanely complex, the Correct. issue. And I get that people, and I've tried doing this as well, to be like, Israel-Palestine con- uh, conflict is extremely complex, but Hamas, you know, committing an act of terror is not. Uh, so you should condemn that. It's not, it, it actually isn't separate. I've tried to separate it. It is not separate. And, like, this is, ins- it feels insane to say, but, like, I'm not necessarily pro-Palestine, pro-Israel, but, like, their acts... They have an, everyone has an argument. The way they went about it is disgusting. Like, it's, it's just too complex, right? So my first thing I did was I didn't say anything for days because I had to do research. I think, do you see people going out and posting stuff without doing research? Do you care about that? Um, the most I've seen being mm-hmm. posted is, is relatively those, like, reposted Instagram stories that yeah. are kind of right. the same thing floating around. So, over so over this again. is my issue. And I said it straight to Hallie and there's people in my life who, who were affected by this, who were in Israel at the time who lived there. Right. And they're saying I'm standing with Israel. And after doing research, I don't feel comfortable saying I'm standing with Israel because that's actually not what I'm but doing. Do, but people are just, do posting. you feel, do you, don't you feel like what you're saying right now is what you should be saying? It, like, it's okay not to condemn. It's it's okay not to have a result in what you're saying yeah. and speak about what you're feeling. Well, that's what I did on my Snap story. Right. I posted about 40 things responding to people and just having a discourse around the topic. Also, while doing research on the side. I don't think that's the expectation that people... Like, that's not what I would expect most people to do. I, I, I don't think they're going to I do I think that. in these situations, people put everything on a pedestal, and they, ha- they have expectations for what something should be or what yeah. people they should They just want to hear their side. They want to hear their side. They yeah. want you to take a stance. Yes. So everyone wants you to take a stance because it either a- uh, allows them to support you or well, bat you down. Exactly. I was going to say, everyone wants them wants you to take their side. They don't actually want you to to share what you think. They right. just want to see you share. And unless now, you ha- unless you feel strongly towards a certain way, like if 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 there is something going on and I feel strongly towards one side or another, yeah. I have no problem sharing that opinion and taking a side on something. Yeah. But if I feel like I'm in between or if I'm not well researched enough yeah. or or all I can do is feel shit and not have an actual uh, stance on something, mm-hmm. that is what I'll say too. Yeah. I think people put on a pedestal and then they get in their own mind about like what I should be saying, what I should be doing rather than just expressing what they're feeling. Yeah. It's, it's a wildly complex issue. Now let's take it to the creator business world as well. So Alex, who's my manager asked me just, you know, he's Jewish also. And we were just having a conversation. He was like, by the way, do you still feel comfortable posting content? And number two, we have some brand stuff to go out, you know, in the coming weeks. Do you still feel comfortable doing these things? And one, from a people know I'm Jewish, like how will they react to that? Number two, it, it makes a Jameson ad feel, you know, a little bit smaller today, right? And a little less relevant. Um, on the same side, like my rent will be due. 
my employees need to be paid. And it's a very it's a very loaded situation. So I sent a message to our team, which was our stance on this is love and peace in any situation. Um, I'm not making you guys put out a statement. I'm not making you guys like I don't think that the the leagues necessarily should have posted something because the, it is so deep. And once again, I understand everyone's trying to separate the two of like an act of terror versus the conflict. Mm-hmm. It's just too it's too complex for me. In the same vein. And this is where, like, I'll pull the Jewish, you know, roots from. Then you take the biggest step back and you say, if I was alive 70 years ago, how did the Holocaust happen? How did that, how did this happen? How could people talk, like, how could people allow this to happen? And that's where I'm like, you know what? Maybe it was just people weren't speaking out. And whether or not it was complex, whether or not, you know, you want to play both sides and understand where, but like in this situation, there was a group of a lot of Jews who were shamelessly murdered. And maybe if the voices are muted, that's how shit happens. It just feels like in today's age, it could never happen again because of media, but maybe it can. And so that's where it's, the whole thing is just difficult. Um, So I wanted to have a conversation about, as a small creator, because, you know, Mia Khalifa, I mean, maybe she's not the uh, I know where you're going the number one model citizen. She lost her Playboy partnership or whatever it was. You could 100% like lose business from doing this. Uh, I think one of my friends was like, I'm disappointed Big Cat didn't post. As a Jew with a platform like that, surprised because he's always kind of at the forefront of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Not in Judaism, but he's like someone that will step outside and be like, sure. This is how I feel about this. Um, but Barstool is in a tough financial situation. Who knows what, you know, someone on the other side may feel about that. So that is probably the most complex part is the business side because it is life versus business. But business is part of life. Like yep. It's impossible to escape that. Um, if you knew, let's say you felt really strong, like say you felt like yeah. you understood the situation really strongly and you felt really strongly about yes. one side yeah. saying that you wanted to condemn this or whatever, yeah. knowing that it would be a hit to your business, mm-hmm. would you do it? Yes. Same. And I think that's how most yeah. people probably should and will operate. But I think, I think it's tough to acknowledge, but that's privilege. That's it. It's the privilege. But we're talking about our situation right now. I understand, but yeah. that's not everyone's situation. Yes. I mean, I don't have answers for everybody. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm just having this conversation no, with I know, you and I, I know, as creators. But 100%. But a smaller creator, what I'm saying is, if there was a Palestinian creator who works for Underdog, where I would imagine, now I don't know this for a fact, but Jeremy Levine is probably favors one side of the coin, right? A pro-Palestinian Underdog ambassador came out and said, no, I'm pro-free Palestine. What Hamas did is wrong, but you guys are not acknowledging this. Maybe they, but the, and underdogs, their sole source of revenue. Tough situation. Very tough. Very tough. I know what I would do. Yeah. It would be me, my life, my feelings over the job, the work, the business. Yeah. And if it ends up being what it is, Mm -hmm. I would consider that more self-respect thing. You know, Um, of course that type of like intent of a situation leaves people in a lot of tough spots, Yeah. but that would be the same way. What we said now, what I just said was like in that in the uh, scenario I gave you, mm-hmm. I would do the same exact thing. I would have also done that while I was working at a yeah. corporate job eight years ago. You know, like that hasn't changed me as a person. Yeah. I think it comes down to who you are. As a I person. think you're probably in the minority, honestly. Like everyone wants to think they're brave and and strong. I That's genuinely fair. believe that you would 
put your values over, you know, whatever job it may be, whatever opportunity it may be. But I, I don't think everyone is the same like that. They'd like to think in a moment yeah. of, and, and that's probably why they look to people with platforms. That's Because they're projecting. Well, I just, I just, yeah, no, that's fair. I guess if I could give a piece of advice, if you feel so strongly about it, I would urge you just as a person to speak up just because yeah. you'll live with a lot of regret yeah. and you'll live with the idea that like in that situation, right? Like that person, obviously that's completely hypothetical, but like say that happened, mm-hmm. person doesn't speak out, they work at underdog, whatever. What's going to happen over the next year or two? Yeah. They are going to start hating yes. working there mm-hmm. even if nothing happens even if they have a, such a positive work life experience whatever yeah they're gonna resent they'll, feel resentment. they'll have a lot sense. of resentment towards whether it's jeremy or the company even if they didn't even said anything mm-hmm. even if they didn't even know that they would get in trouble for speaking out they will start to project these scenarios of like fuck like you know yeah. if i spoke out they would have condemned me you, you'll start to make these things up and you'll resent it so in the long term i think it's gonna hurt you not to be who you are as a person yes I agree with that. That's the only like advice I guess I can give. Yeah. You. All right. Well, let's let's knock it down a peg, which if you remove uh crazy conflict and people dying and and all that stuff, which is it's tough to do that, but what feels like that is sports sometimes. And so on Sunday, Marlon Humphrey comes back. It was going to be the best sports weekend of my life. I, I flew to Dallas. Orioles are hosting playoff for the first time in seven years. We lose the last 15 seconds. I fly home. We lose game two. As we're walking into the game, I get a text that, you know, my boy might might have let up the, the, the game when he touched down. To, oh, you didn't even see that live. No, I didn't see mm-hmm. it live. Casey was like, oh, the Steelers just scored. I'm like, yeah, who scored? Gr- not great. He goes, Pickens. I go, no. And he goes, yeah, it's 44. I'm like, how does this, like, how does all this happen in one weekend? Um, the beauty of of Marlon Humphrey is he has insane perspective, uh, which shouldn't be insane, but it's one week. It's his first game back. It sucks. It wasn't all his fault the whole game. Like, the Ravens should have put him away. He takes full responsibility for it. And he got off the plane, came to record, and was laughing. And, you know, because they're humans. They're humans. And the best part of the podcast is Marlon saying, the toughest part about being here right now is being with you. Like, he said that to me. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, he's like, I wanted to come home, and, like, my girl was going to cuddle me, and I got to talk to you. (laughs) You know, like, they're humans. On the flip side, the comment sections don't care about his humanity and who he is and all that. It's been the nastiest week of, you know, comments ravens fans are so fed up they're just quit the podcast bro you're not this is, focused. This is why you let it up because you're only focused on the content exactly i saw that you get stuff it. yeah um so i think this doesn't apply to just marlin this is where it's under a magnifying glass for my situation but you've had situations like this in the past and i think smaller creators it does kind of blend like to it could be there there's a huge conflict in the world and they post about it and now their comment section is all about that to you know, something they did that's wrong or they their sports betting picks were wrong and they're their content creator in that regard. So I'm curious your thoughts. Um, well, I guess I kind of want to ask about your situation personally, yeah. but I have, I have a couple of funny examples I can give because yeah. this week's deal or no deal punishment was that I had to read mean comments okay. posted on the internet. Yeah. So they got a bunch of them together and yeah. naturally they went back to January, February, March of last okay. year when all that okay. stuff was happening and I just did it. I just recorded that yeah, video yeah, yeah. like an hour ago. Um, so I have some good perspective on this, like how I felt at the time as yeah. well as how I feel now about yeah, reading them. a year later. Yeah. So with Marlon, was there any – have you spoke to him about the comments? Have you, like, sent them to him and no. been like, have you seen these? No. He, I'm, he, I'm curious to know if any of that has crept into his head. So he turns off his Instagram comments uh, during the season. The funniest part about Marlon, why I love him, he doesn't want to hear positive reinforcement. 
That's why he does it, which is hilarious. Okay. Um, he do, he's not on Twitter, and he's not reading through the YouTube comments. He knows the comments are there. He's not knowing the specific thing. After it happened, I was at the Orioles game, and I didn't text him. I was kind of like, hmm. You know, when he got hurt, I, I had this question of, is he not going to want to do this right now? Focus on rehab. It's a weird. He was all in. This, I thought he would be more willing to do it because he was on the field, but this was like a weird thing to be like yo are we recording he texts me on the flight he's like i'll be home at this time let's do it gotcha. obviously so that that was good um so no he hasn't seen the comments but he knows what the comments are okay obviously um yeah because i think for a lot of creators like it is very easy i mean you i would consider him a new creator right yeah. like he's a yeah. very new creator it's yeah. easy to let comments creep into your mind because if you have a tiny bit of insecurity and someone hits on it, yeah. you're like, oh, everybody else sees that insecurity too. And it's easier to start believing it. Um, when I think about it now, so we had uh, a ton of uh, comments and stuff that they could have picked through when I was doing yeah. the reading the mean comments or whatever. Um, and, you know, 90% of them were like, oh, my God, you just tanked your business. Oh, yeah, my God, yeah. it's going downhill. And at the time, it was, like, overwhelming. It was hundreds and hundreds and thousands of comments about how big of a piece of shit I was, mm-hmm. about how I don't Accurate. know anything. Yeah, like that, I had no, you know, no argument. <laughs> yeah, there, that was. Uh, I just stayed out of the comments because I was like, there's nothing here for me. Yeah. But at the time, I knew. I was like, I'm going to get past this because I'm in the right. I right. did nothing immoral. I did nothing unethical. And in the long term, I knew where we were going to be. Mm-hmm. So I think when you're well-intentioned, if you can, if you could take a step back and understand that in six or twelve months, all of this shit always passes. Yep. I've been through enough of these things now; they always pass, mm-hmm. and you're gonna be right if you're well intentioned. And okay. people pick up on those things with it. Like in that moment, there was no. Uh, I'm not fighting back against people. I'm not replying to comments yeah. and being like, "No, you're wrong," because you can't prove what they're saying wrong in a day. Yeah, I can prove them wrong in a year, mm-hmm. right? By putting my head down, working getting better, doing everything that they said I cannot do, that shit fires me up too, to be honest yeah. with you. It's, it's kind of motivational. Looking back at it now, I was like laughing as I was reading the tweets I was or the comments. I was like, this shit was kind of hurtful at the time. Yeah, It, it was, you know, it was just a lot at once. Reading back now, I'm like, this is knowing. I, I, trivial, knew, yeah. I knew at the time where I would be now. And I was like, I'm going to be fine. In yeah. six months or 12 months, our business is going to be in such a good spot. And everyone's going to look back and be like, okay, I was wrong. Yeah. And Nick was the one person in the right here. Like, I knew that was going to happen. Yeah. But now that I get there. Are you victory lapping it? I, uh, <laughs> I, I kind of wanted to victory lap a yeah. little bit when I was doing the uh, TikTok, but I didn't yeah. have enough time to really do it. Um, no, it's good perspective because, I mean, I asked Casey, I was like, what should we do? Should we respond and defend? No. Should we reply? Should we like to acknowledge we see? Because you want, a lot, you want to know what the best response is. A lot of is. people want to be heard. Uh, okay, there's credence to wanting to be heard. Yeah, but those comments, no. If you believe, yeah. if you believe, that's what I'm saying. Well, no, no, what I was about to yeah. say, well intended, was your point is we're going to record for a year, and the comments are stop recording until you start playing better, and what we're going to show is give him time back to heal from an injury, mm-hmm. let him get back into it. And he'll be playing better. That's and what we're still going to be recording the podcast. So you'll see how it's, it's the out. same version of me just being like, our business is still going to yeah. do well. Marlon's going to get back out there and be an yeah. all pro by the end of yes. the year kind of thing. Now, I will say there are more complexities. I think at its core and mm-hmm. foundation, that's the right thing to do. Now, he did say he would like to be posting online a little less from his personal stuff. 
until the Ravens resume winning, which I think is interesting because my initial take as someone in media is like, no, fuck it. Like, don't let them win. Just keep continuing on what you're doing. But at a scale like that, his tweets, I do think, can impact, like, team morale. Like, if he doesn't seem to to understand time and place. If people are starting to see him as, like, a content creator yes. slash football player. Exactly. I, yeah, I can see how and that so, can be And so, you know, a very obvious one would be he does, like, his victory IG lives after the game. Mm-hmm. If he just did IG lives after the game, like, that would show a major lack of awareness, which would 100% impact the team in a negative light. He would not be viewed as a leader, right? right? So I think there is that difficult balance of, like, don't let the haters win. Show that you can still show up and do this podcast every week, right? But I get why you wouldn't want to necessarily be tweeting about, you know, funny things that are happening in London because you want to show you're locked in. Is that the right way to go about it, though? I think depending on how you started, like if you're the same person you were before the hate comments as yeah. after, I don't see a problem. But I it. do think his his stuff kind of fluctuates. And, you know, LeBron really started it at, on a major scale of like his zero dark 30, right? Mm-hmm. Which is to say, I there is a point in time where I lock in. And if and then you kind of set that standard to where now when he doesn't go zero dark 30 in the playoffs, it's like... Hey, buddy, like, are you locked in or not? You know, and if you have one thing, he's doing it different as before as after. Yeah. So, Um, yeah, it was interesting. I think we opted for, you know, no comment back. I don't mind if we were to like a comment because I think acknowledging that we are hearing you, that we are conscious that. But that that kind of comment, I get that when it's actual criticism that has something of substance behind it. Yeah. That kind of stuff, or, yeah, or no. those are the ones Maybe I would, that I just stuff. hit them with like a no you. Like if they're like, they, they yeah. the no you is the perfect response to people that are trying to fuck with you. Like N-O space you. Yeah, no you. In ter- like what's the comment? It could be anything. It'll be like Nick's fucking loser. I'll just be like, no you. <laughs> it's fucking, I think that's just as dumb, but it's phenomenal. Fair enough. Because you can't take those comments seriously. Because as soon as you do, then it gives a lot of credence to those people. And yes. that's when they build upon it. But if yeah, you're just yeah. looking at them and you're like, that doesn't affect me. Like, yeah. You just sound like an idiot. Yeah. I'm just going to sound an idiot back to you. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. That's that's kind of the, the road I, we're taking. I will say, man, it's ugly. Like, welcome. Welcome to the fucking mud. No, nah, like, I feel, I, I do feel bad for, for athletes. Um, they get a they get a lot of hate, and there's always the you get paid a lot of money you should deal with it, which I I don't disagree with either. Yeah, but it's tough, and you could see why why you could see why someone would react because you get banged and banged and banged on, and at some point you're just like, God, well, like yeah. I mean, if there's credence to it though, I do think that there's a like if if <laughs> if uh, if Marlon's like content output increased and his play decreased, that'd be bad. If like in our situation, yeah. our content continued to be. You know, people were like, oh, your content is going to be terrible now. Yeah. Like, you lost the only people that are making yeah, it yeah. good. If our content was terrible afterwards, then yes, they would have credence but, to but it. But Marlon's content... But fuck them. But Marlon's content input could increase and his play could decrease and the two could not be correlated in the slightest. Yeah. Because no one has an understanding of what these guys' lives are like. Yeah. Like, it's nuts to me. Like, he doesn't... He has so much free time. The amount of free time that, that professional athletes have are, is mind-boggling. Maybe he needs to work harder. That's everyone, right? That <laughs> yeah. that's everyone's gut instinct. He's at the facility at six in the morning, till till uh, he'll get home at like three or four p.m. I mean, he has yeah. six hours. Yeah, 
You go watch TV after work. He turns on a podcast. Like, it's the same thing. But people can't. People actually. And I probably was in this boat, too, when I was a young infant. Why are you watching film? They don't fucking watch film. They don't watch film? No, they don't. They watch That's it. not true. That can't be true. Swear in my life. Quarterbacks watch film. rest of them, they watch some. But. Yeah. Don't they watch it, like, within that six to four? Though? Yes. Time range, like yes. With their team meetings. Yeah. But outside of film study. They, they talk about like Maybe it's that ho- touchdown doesn't happen. They talk about like it's homework. Yo, yeah. you're going to like I was with a few of them like, yo, you going to watch film after this? Yeah. Going to watch the film. Like it's like you're going to go do your homework after we're done. <laughs> it's the same thing. They're just yeah. fucking humans, um, which maybe he should be watching more film because he thought a back shoulder was coming. It's why he played that release and he got beat deep. Um, anyways, I, I think the most complex part that I can't share is but I can share like the idea of it is when people don't have the full context of the situation. They never will. They never will. But yeah, I, I guess they that never is. will. So if the comments start coming from people that do know it, if the comments, right. Kyle Hamilton, if yeah. Kyle Hamilton gets on that Instagram yeah. reel, you just put on <laughs> and seriously said, yeah. get off the podcast yeah. because you're playing like shit. Yeah. Something there. No, maybe not actually, but like, you know, what not because it's not even you're playing like shit. It's more like because you're not studying film because this is right. You get what I'm saying, though. Yeah, it, it needs to come from people that you trust, care about. Yeah, because they trust and care about you before the action that, happens. That's just where immense empathy comes. And it could be it could be you don't know what what really happened on that play all the way to like our lives where you don't know where I'm at personally and you don't know where my head's been at. Mm-hmm. And that's the real reason. And that's when you're more likely to get a reaction to is like, God, my mom is sick, right? Yeah. You know, it's all these things so, that people don't have the context. Yeah. Like what if Marlon was underplaying it because 75% of the time, George Pickens cuts back on that play yeah. and he had a safety over the top kind of thing, but no and one would know that. Fo- yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like no one knows that unless, but and that's why if Kyle Hamilton comes out, right. If Kyle yeah. Hamilton comes out and comments that, then you know, that wasn't the fucking case. But Kyle might not know where Marlon's at. He might be fighting with his girlfriend that day and it messed him up. Yeah. But I'm just saying like, yeah. The less the people know about you, the less context they have about you, yeah. the less credence you should actually give to the comments that are coming out. Yeah, he's not. He didn't let up that touchdown because of the podcast. I'm pretty confident. Oh uh, yeah, don't worry. I've, I've watched the play multiple times. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty confident. <laughs> don't know him. Don't know that. the play call, but I know what happened. In saying that, yeah, that was it. Take us away. Fuck us up. All right, this pod is sponsored by Subscribe to the Podcast. So make sure you hit the subscribe button on YouTube. Subscribe on uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Send to a friend. We also, like, pre, pre-roll, mid-roll, ad-roll. Like, if you were to rate the value of each, like, pre-roll. If you do a true pre-roll, not like an intro and then plop something in the first two minutes, that's probably, like, your second most important. I would say mid-roll is your most valuable. You'll have less people that get there, but they're the more engaged users, so they're more important. And then post-roll, which is when we actually remember to use our ad space, is, <laughs> is definitely the least valuable. You ever hear people plugging shit at the end because <laughs> they forgot. Exactly. Um, so if you made it this far and you love us, make sure you subscribe. <laughs> Peace. Yeah, but then it, (laughs) I mean, until every state follows. I don't know how serious that really is. Three states, 28 to 25, 25 to 18, 18, 13. One of the states they weren't even in, only prize picks was in. Which one? Michigan. Michigan. Yeah. Well, they had been in it, but they've been out for a long time. Right. So that didn't matter. Pussies. Um, 
oh, we gave a million dollars for responsible gaming. Like, no, the fuck you didn't. You did it for politics. It's all politics. Yep. I, I don't fuck with politics. All right, on this episode, we're going to talk about the Israel-Palestine conflict. Yeah. <laughs> Enough. Sure, everybody. Who, me? Who, uh, me? Dial it in, brother. All right, let's go. I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> 